the Anfield Wrap, brought to you by High Street Solicitors, a one-stop shop for all your legal needs. Call us now on 203 1268. It is the Anfield Wrap, City Talk 105.9. Happy New Year to you, Liverpool. Happy New Year to, to you, everyone who's listening to the Anfield Wrap here on City Talk 105.9. I've just sat down at the uh, at the chair, looking out across Liverpool. I knocked the mouse off the screensaver. It's Colin Pascoe's Wikipedia page. These people know my limitations. They know my weaknesses. They know exactly the sort of thing that I need. So there's Colin Pascoe's, uh, Colin Pascoe's page. 167 games for Swansea City. Uh, 116 games for Sunderland. Went back to Swansea on loan. Then made it permanent. One game for Blackpool. I hope it went well. This is City Talk 105.9. Alison McGovern and Paul Copard in front of me. Steve Graves is due to be here. We can only presume that Mersey Rail weather madness has present, prevented his arrival at this stage. Um, hopefully nothing worse than that's happened to him. Wherever you are in the city, just sort of sit down, sit still. Listen to this as we go to talk about football this week. Part two will be a discussion of the, of the fringe and the use thereof. Part three will be Liverpool versus Oldham in this weekend's FA Cup tie. Uh, but before then, I'm gonna we're gonna talk about Liverpool two Hull City nil. But even before that, I've asked uh, Paul, the absent Steve and Allison, to give me three football related resolutions from each of you. Can be anything, can be personal, can be to do with Liverpool Football Club, the game itself as a whole, your own performance week in week out. Um, Paul Cope, what, 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 give me give me your first one. My first one's only only really relevant to, to the people who sit around me at the match who, who, who don't know this is me. <laughs> I, I, I discovered the other day chatting to the fella in front of me. He went, "Oh, is that you?" <laughs> um, it's to get get to the match on time. Maybe even I think I'll I'll push oh, it. Oh come on! I'll, I'll push it and I say get there ten minutes early. I'm not be. I've I've got to the point where I think he'll never walk alone. He's being sung for me coming, <laughs> coming into the match. I'm, I'm I'm you see I haven't I thought about that but I thought I'm I can't compromise who I am. I very I very firmly get in three minutes past the hour. Isn't that the whole point of a New Year's resolution? Compromising who you are. Uh, I think just I think, for a few weeks. I think just for a few weeks. <laughs> yeah. uh, Alison, what's your? Steve's just walked in. Excellent stuff. Uh, brought in by Steve Hothersill. Should be walked in every week, Steve. Um, what's your New Year's resolution, Alison? Your first well, one. Before I give you my first one, I think you're both doing really poorly there. I mean, you should be in at least 15 minutes beforehand. I mean, my dad would have a word with a pair of you, honestly. What Seriously. Yeah, absolutely. No. What do you do for 15 minutes before the match? Yeah, what, what, what on earth is there to do for we, 15 minutes? We stand there, shifting our weight from foot to foot, being nervous. That's what we do. But my resolution... <laughs> <laughs> Getting get annoyed by anthems and anthem jackets and things like that. <laughs> yeah. my, my, my resolution uh, is actually related to the whole city result because um, a previous time I was on the Anfield Wrap, I don't know if you remember, but I said that Liverpool would beat Hull 2-0. And they did just not the game I made the prediction for. So my New Year's resolution number one is to make more predictions uh, because uh, I'll eventually get it right. Excellent stuff. All right, Steve, you've, um, you've, you, you've arrived. Everything all right? Yeah. I was, worried, I was worried about you. I was, I, I was, I was, I was stood in a queue at Wilco. <laughs> That's your excuse. That's, it's it's it, a good job it, heating's it, ill. I wouldn't make it up, would I? It's a good job heating's ill. Uh, otherwise, otherwise, there'd be questions to answer there. Okay, okay. What's your first New Year's resolution? Your first of three. Was Copes to get in earlier? Yes. Okay, uh, mine is to get in later and <laughs> to annoy Mike Girling as much as I possibly can. Who I we, we a season tickets next to each other, and it really annoys him that I turn up pretty much on the kickoff. So you think you? Mike, Mike very much likes to be in on time. Where does it, I like this? And I'll... on occasions where, for example, I've got his ticket. This, this is a real point of tension which is building up <laughs> one of many points of tension building up we'll get on to more us. we'll get on to more points of tension later okay I'll have your second one Alison uh, well this is sort of related to football uh, I um, 
think that I probably need to get out there and do a bit of running a bit more and become a bit fitter. And it's related to football in that, you know, like had I, uh, you know, my time again, I would like to be a bit better myself on the football field. We've done a lot of work on women's football in Parliament this year. So to get out there and do a bit more running about is my second resolution. I, you see, that, that's, so, that's slightly charmed with mine, which is that I want to try and see Liverpool ladies play three times at home this season. And that was one of mine that was in my head when I thought of earlier. Uh, we went to see them a couple of years ago when they were rubbish. Uh, but they're good now. So we didn't Top go and of see the them. Well, we didn't go and see them when they were champions last season, but we saw them the season before when they <laughs> got battered by Everton. When they got they? absolutely battered by Everton. <laughs> we saw that one. Um, Paul Cope, what's your next? My, ne- my next one's um, prob- probably to, to not argue with old Liverpool fans anymore. I, th- I think it's a, it's a futile... <laughs> Pastime to partaking. Yeah. What's, what's your break off of old here with 45, 50, 55? Well, I was talking to Mike Nevin about this last week <laughs> and he defined it. He, he defined the old Liverpool fan really well. I can't really go into it on, live on the radio, but 55 was his, was his cutoff. It seemed very convenient for Mike Nevin. Yeah, oh, it was, it was very convenient for him, but, but I, th- I thought it worked. Everyone I could think of and, and could define as an, an old cantankerous Liverpool fan was above 55, so. That fits. Okay, okay. What's uh, Steve? What's your next one? Um, to watch more football. Really? Like more, more non-Liverpool football. I, I've really fallen out of the habit of just watching a game because I do, I do like football. So that that's it, really. Comes like to 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 to, to watch to watch some and to know a little bit more about other teams and players and stuff. In so this when league, you ask in me this league or abroad, like any, just footy. Okay, I'll watch a bit of football. I like to watch David James play in Iceland. It, it, it sounds, it, sounds like he's having a lovely time. It does sound like he's having a lovely time. Yeah, to be fair to David him. James is playing in Iceland. I think so. Yeah, week Since in week out. I, I don't know if I've just dreamed it, but I think he is. Yeah, yeah. He's and, got, um, in between BT Sport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's flying back in. That's brilliant. It's good life. I'll come it? with you, Steve. Can yeah. I make that? Can I swap one of my resolutions? City break in Reykjavik. It's an expensive pint. Uh, <laughs> just to warn you, gentlemen. Go on, Alison. Oh well, I think I'm going to adopt your one as my last one, which is to see ladies football. I think. It's, I think. It's, uh, yeah, we've got to do it, haven't we? Should we, we have, go? Yeah, yeah let's, let's, let's do it. They're still doing it in Halton, uh, the Halton Stadium. Yeah, I think it's still in Halton, which, 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 which makes it harder, not, not, not easier, but we'll, we'll cross that bridge, I think. We'll get someone, Kate, Kate Forrester can drive. Excellent stuff. Okay, uh, last one from you, Paul. Have you done I, your thing? Didn't, no, I didn't, I didn't have a third one until I heard Alison's, and I'm, gonna, I'm going the opposite. I'm <laughs> sort of the opposite. I, not, nothing to do with fitness or anything. I, I think it's about time I started mixing up my match day bevy. <laughs> so it, I, instead of going for the straight lager or bitter like everyone does, yeah. I, on on uh, for the Chelsea game, I came in saying I've had too much beer, so I'm going to drink wine, and everyone went mad. And, and then it made me think of you and your white porch out a few weeks ago. So I think on every match day now, I'm going to change what my bevy is. I like that. I like that. You're a man of simple taste. I like to see you get out of your comfort zone, yeah. uh, Steve Graves. Well, that's slightly um, on my territory because I was I was going to say drink more Guinness, pretty much because ah. the pubs around the ground. To be fair, we're not serving a great pint of, of bitter. They're not. Um, They're not serving a great pint of bitter. Guinness, Steve, to be honest with you, <laughs> Guinness gives you a minimum level, I think, of, of and, and also is it's a bit weaker than you think it is. It is a bit weaker than you think and it is. That so. helps. Okay, okay. My other thing is the other one I, I, I decided to come up with was that when playing, when actually playing the game on the on the rare occasions I get to these days, to back myself more. Uh, back yourself you, more. Yeah, thanks, Steve. You play with me every week. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Please don't be too outraged by the shouts. Uh, you're not making me doubt that I should. No, no, no. You, you back yourself to an appropriate level. I just. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, okay, this is the Anfield Wrap. City Talk 105.9. We've got to talk for a while about Liverpool 2, uh, Hull City nil. Maybe for all of the show, really, because it was a 2-0. A 2-0, the first 2-0 since December the 18th, 2011. Um, Steve Graves, 
what does the fact that there hadn't been a 2-0 for that length of time say about this football team? And what does the fact that there then was in that game say about this football team? It says about this football team, obviously, which that period includes is a sort of tail end of, of something else. But um, if we sort of look at it from the start of the Rogers era, it's that this football team isn't necessarily trying to control games in the way that we've come to expect and through the sort of middle part of the last decade saw as the only route to to success ultimately to um to strangling out a game after 60 minutes and um rotating aside after that point um there've been plenty of occasions when obviously had Brendan Rodgers wanted to win 2-0 Liverpool could have won 2-0 but he's been happy enough to to go for 4-5-6 which when it first started happening we we raised some concerns about and there sort of comes a point when the the, the weight of numbers suggests that it might actually not have too much of a, a bad knock-on effect for, in terms of keeping people fit, fit and fresh. Um, I think what it says about the fact that we've got one now and the fact that it was sort of genuinely a 2-0 rather than, um, you know, rather than, rather, rather than yeah. a frustrated four or a, or, a, or a fortunate one. Ultimately, it felt like a comprehensive win over a better side without actually being embarrassingly one-sided. Um, that suggests, firstly, that Hall aren't a bad side, and but also that we... Um, we have different gears now, and we've seen that in different um, in different games that we've got different ways of playing. We don't necessarily have to just steamroll the teams or be immensely frustrated. Alison, yeah, I thought it was professional. Um, I mean, I've got to say, I was uh, for one reason or other slightly tired uh, at Anfield. Um, and so were uh, they. It's all right. They had their yeah, better and, excuse. And it, you, you didn't play at Stamford Bridge, right? And and so were they. And but it was professional and. Uh, fairly cleanly done although to be fair I thought it could have been more than 2-0 uh, Coutinho clearly could have scored it could have got 10 uh, so in so in that sense it was it was a bit frustrating as well it wasn't a it wasn't really a classic 2-0 in that sense there were more chances than that but it was very professionally done and uh, you know they looked good but not yet really out of third gear that's the key thing, isn't it, Paul? It did look like, you know, there was... I'm not entirely sure if there was other gears to go to, but the point was Liverpool were in the gear that they were in and they got the win. Yeah, I, I it was good to hear Roger say after the game, actually, he thinks it was the best performance he's seen this, this season. I think that would have shocked quite a lot of people after some of the performances we've seen. But it, it comforted me because I'd said after the Chelsea game, I there's a, there's a small number of fans, probably most of us, who think this way about football, but... I was quite envious of, of Chelsea fans after they beat us 2-1 because they went 2-1 up and Mourinho decided they were going to win that game 2-1. And I was I, I, it made me think back to the good old days of our generation when we used to watch games where that would happen and it was nice. And, and actually, the other team might have the ball, but they were never going to really threaten you too much. And mm. it was nice that after that, we, we had a team full of knackered players who'd all played loads of games in a short space of time. And Rodgers had sort of said, well, we just need to get through this. And if we go 2-0 up, yeah, we'll keep the ball and we can try and score another goal, but we don't need to be silly about it. Refre- I, it was refreshing, I think. I, th- I think it really was. I thought that it was, you know, the other thing that's noticeable, Steve, you know, the two goals are both set-piece goals, quite different set-piece goals, but both set-piece goals. It felt there were chances in the game Liverpool could have gone on and made it three or four, but Hull also, you know, theoretically at least, had a bit of a bit of uh, possession, a bit of territorial uh, play in, this, in the second half after it went 2-0. But it also felt like, and this is the thing we've been saying for a while, Hull sort of took 2-0, and I think that that bodes very well for Liverpool as well. You got the impression Hull, certainly up till about 75-80, the collective attitude was let's just keep it like this not do anything daft because if not they could cut us to, cut us to ribbons on the counter yeah we talked about this and, and again that's the cumulative impact of having beaten other teams quite heavily 
that's what that has on you that, that on teams that come to Anfield that it once you once you get to to 2-0 it does feel like they do effectively um declare on that in in a lot of cases um I thought I thought Hull, given that they'd had such a good when when a side comes in off the back of a really good result especially when it's a little bit of an anomalous result for a side of their quality it doesn't really worry me because you always think that they are going to be mentally in a slightly different frame of mind so they they've won 6-0 that it, immediately, I think probably puts them into a into a lower. We're talking about gears again, but into a into a, a lower gear really when they, when they're coming to Anfield and it's a much tougher test. And so therefore, not they're happy. They were happy enough with a two 0 Yeah, I think. And and again, the fact that they'd beaten us at Hull probably had a, a slight impact on that as well. It's uh, to talk about individuals for the second, though it was very much a team display. Allison um, Henderson's. I thought he was almost possibly for Suarez, Liverpool's strongest performer on the uh, on the day. I thought he was he was very very good indeed. It's it's odd the way in which he's come on in leaps and bounds. Odd in a sense of it just appears to have been such a step forward in, in less than a month. Yeah, he looks he looked really confident. Um, he looked very busy, uh, quite quite aggressive. Um, I thought his uh, it's funny his 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 talent seems to have come out of itself um, over the past few months and. He he is arguing his way into the side, if you see what I mean. He's not somebody you'd 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 want to leave out now, which is completely different. But I think there's clearly a level of fitness there as well that means that he's that no-brainer player. Uh, whereas once I think people were definitely questioning whether you'd have him in the side at all. And that's the idea of him arguing his way into the side, Paul. I think that's that's literally what he's done under Brendan Rodgers. You know, he's he's made he's made his case and made his case and made his case to the point that I think he's now an ever present in the league this season. You know, he's he's forced his way into this team and now is integral to it. And having got to the point he was integral to it, say at the start of December, he's now almost surpassed that again to be in the you know to be in the player who's, who's making so much happen for Liverpool. Yeah, in a, in a very short space of time, and you you know how much I love Jordan Henderson after after a while now. He he's gone from from being someone who when when a few of us would argue at the beginning of the season should be in the team every week regardless of anybody else, you'd be laughed at. And now it's we're at the point where the vast majority of people think Jordan Henderson should be in the first eleven every week, regardless of who else is fit. To the extent even now that people are talking about Henderson above the likes of Coutinho. And if Joe going to the beginning of the season, if mm. if I'd have said to everyone Jordan Henderson should be in the team ahead of Coutinho if they're both fit, nobody would have believed me, and no one would have agreed with it really. I, I think I think a couple of things have probably helped him. One is Gerard going out because it's allowed him to to take that mantle that a few of us know he can take, which is the captain role basically which is give me the ball I can do something with it I don't need to be timid but also I think ironically the um, the Ferguson ridiculous comment in his book has possibly helped him because his character and I we always talk about characters since the Benitez days the characters we like are the likes of Lucas and, and Henderson and Joe Allen as well who they don't crumble when they have those sticky points they don't crumble not crumbling was a key thing of that performance I thought the other night Steve it was or the other day sorry it would have been very very easy after um, after missing the chance Twelve yards out, lovely touch from Aspas to put him in. It would have been easy for him to have, um, you know, t- uh, twelve months ago if that had happened, you wouldn't have been surprised if he'd had fifteen minutes back in his shell or something like that. The absolute opposite happened. It was much more. Just give me the ball back. Let's just go again. Yeah, you, you probably would have seen him have fifteen minutes of of running really hard to try and, in some way, get himself back into the game. Um, whereas he, he looks like he's got that calm assurance about him now that. And I think that 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 is the same. It's similar with Alan. I don't know whether it's a squad thing as a whole or similar to the way Alan reacted to the, the Goodison miss. You know, he comes back in a, a long, a longer um, time scale, but in, in the next game, and puts in one of his best games for the club. Um, and I think that is something that, that 
uh, Roger sees in both both those two midfielders, and hopefully they would be the kind of attitude he wants to bring through the whole squad. Really, uh, talking of attitude through the whole squad, Alison uh, Suarez just doesn't stop. Um, <clears throat> given how injured he's supposed to be, and given the fact that I thought it was for the first time, I think in a while, it was noticeable in that one of the smaller sides was actively trying to kick him out of the game. I thought Hull were targeting him one at the time; they were actively trying to kick him out the football match, and then he just steps up and does that. Yeah, I know it's um, oh, you know you, you see his, his talent and his brilliance and all of that, but it's it's, it's an obvious tactic now that that um, sides are coming after him and seeking to wind him up and whatever. Um, there was I think I'm right in thinking there was one moment where kind of he had a bit of an argument uh, with the ref and, and Lucas kind of went over and sort of told him to back off a bit, um, but you know other than that his work rate is phenomenal his his skill is brilliant like. Clearly, um, he's somebody that that people at Anfield are going to love to watch. Um, going back to Henderson, I mean, he, he's somebody where when he's got the ball, you just feel a sense of instinctive confidence. Um, when when Suarez is going forward, you like just have that sense of anticipation that something is going to happen, and there's a real excitement there. And that's partly to do with his like personal commitment, clearly to the game, as well as yeah, I mean. It, doesn't look that injured to me. <laughs> Supposedly couldn't get his boot on today. Colin Pascoe said. Oh, I mean, that, that that's the thing, isn't it, Paul? It was just it, at times he looked like you know he was he was on the deck and he was obviously he, you could see he was favouring one of his what, what, uh, one of his legs a little bit and all that sort of stuff. But he just does not stop. He's he's phenomenal, and he got a couple of knocks in that game that that made him hobble around for for a few minutes. And he, I don't know whether I'm not sure I've ever seen a player who can deal with injury the way he can. I'm never ever ever worried that when he gets a knock he's going to go off he did it in the derby and people were saying to me at the time oh he's done he's done for and I went give him five minutes he'll be fine and he did it again and I agree with you they they targeted him and I I actually think it was an absolute disgrace I thought the refereeing performance was a disgrace and I I remember the same thing happening to, to Cristiano Ronaldo when when he got to a point where he was just so much better than everybody else people targeted him and I'm I'm never used to be one for saying the refs need to protect these players but because it's it's not that Joe they need to be mollycoddled. These were ridiculous fouls. Some of them against him, really brutal fouls. That how and, and I think it was because, as you say, they were rotating who was targeting. Absolutely, him. that's what that's probably how no one got sent off. This is what we, we've seen Stoke do it at, at Anfield a couple of times, where literally they go through the first the, the first ten through ten of them basically, and, and they almost all of them take a. a will take a booking somewhere somewhere within the game if if they need to. Half the time they don't even get booked anyway. Um, I mean, I don't think it actually even is trying to wind him up necessarily. It is, it is actually just trying to hurt him. And it's not a lot to ask the referees to enforce the rules of the game. That yeah, is what they're there for. I, I, don't, I don't think it's a matter of protecting players, but refereeing is, um, is a management challenge. It's about making the game be as good as it possibly can be by you know, skill of applying the rules. And if the last thing anybody wants to see is the game being undermined by this kind of targeting, you know, the kind of niggly behaviour. I think that is the last thing everyone wants to see. And what, but, but I think mistakenly, referees think that what we don't want to see is players getting sent off and that individual game getting ruined in some way. When firstly, it doesn't ruin a game, it makes it an interesting sort of tactical battle anyway. And secondly, if it keeps Luis Suarez playing, 
playing rather than being injured all the time, then that doesn't ruin the game for me, yeah, they, for, they, for, for, for fans in general. They, 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 this is the thing for me. It looked like he, he didn't want to be seen to be constantly waving the yellow card around. Well, mm. if there are yellow card challenges, you have to book people. You know, that's the, the, the there are certain things that if, if fouls that if people commit on a football field, they lead to yellow cards. Please do this. Please carry this out. Listen, this is a City Talk on a 5.9. We haven't even got into the interesting stuff on Hull. I do want to get into that before after the break. So I'm going to do an early break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk further about Hull and actually in doing so, discuss the way in which Liverpool have used the fringe players so far and what happens going forward. The Anfield Wrap, brought to you by High Street Solicitors, the no-win, no-fee personal injury specialists. Call us now on 203-1268. Hello there, this is the Anfield Wrap. I'm having a separate conversation, City Talk 105.9. This is what happens when I take my headphones off. I was uh, telling the tale and saying what my other resolution would have been, which was um, that to sit at the front row of, uh, of of the football match again, which I haven't done since, uh, since not the year just gone, but the year before. And you spend the entire game discussing Camber and exactly how good Glenn Johnson is so speaking of Glenn Johnson um oh Paul Cope he actually looked a little bit better until he got injured I felt he actually looked like he was he was getting better at football again and then he um and then he stubbed his toe whilst kicking it see I I read I read that on your agenda and I had to read it a few times to check that you'd put that (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know what's happened to Glenn Johnson I'm not sure it is Glenn Johnson I think someone's done a little bit of a switcheroo and we that we haven't noticed but if if you're saying he's he'd improved a little bit it shows just how bad he's been for me. Well, he has been very bad. He's been awful. When when he started hobbling after getting the knock, I was praying that we were going to get a little announcement after the match that he's been carrying an injury for weeks and weeks and weeks because that, that's what I want to know. I love Glenn Johnson. And when A few weeks ago, I was saying, he, Joe, he was one of our best players and if he got injured, we're, we're screwed. All of a sudden, I, I don't know what's happened to him and I, I thought he was poor again against Hull. Anyone else think he was poor? Where, where are you going down here? Where you got Alison? Think he was poor? Do you think he was People improving? People were literally around me at Anfield, exploding at Johnson uh, on uh, at the game, and I, yeah, I agree. Like it would be nice to know that it was about injury and whatever. Uh, you know, I think players go through phases, don't they? And he's clearly, he's clearly still got something about him. I don't think it's all over. Uh, I think he should still be given a bit of a fair crack of the whip, and I say this just, you know, to be a bit contrary, because like clearly there was uh, there was a lot of frustration with what was going on, and uh, yeah, it looked it he was really hobbling, and uh, you kind of feel like, well, maybe he needed a bit, he needs a bit of uh, a bit of time to. Uh, do something else and get himself, get himself back together. I think, CDs. <laughs> I think he should be sent on holiday. The, after that game, they should have just said, Glenn, go and have a go and have a holiday. If you want to sort your CDs, sort your CDs. <laughs> but just do something to take your mind off all of this and come back like you were a few weeks ago. I, I don't, don't know, know, maybe he needs a few more games to prove himself. Maybe, I don't know, maybe sometimes that's about about having the right attitude and you have a really, really bad game and get it's been given like down the bank. It's been like to five games now where is, I think it comes to the point when it's difficult to play yourself out of that type of form. I think he, something else needs to happen. I, and one of my theories was a few weeks ago, he's got no competition. He's got no natural competition for his position, so he's got no nothing to give him a kick when he needs it. Because we all know right now, Martin. I don't know what needs to happen for Martin Kelly to to come on the pitch. Um, Liverpool. Go and sign for somebody else for yeah. him to come on the pitch. I mean, yeah. I, I, my Martin Kelly thing is Martin Kelly needs to go and play football week in week out. Yeah. Probably at centre back uh, because of the size of his body and the issues around that. And he's not going to get to do that at Liverpool. You know, talk about Kelly. I, honestly, if I was Martin Kelly, I would be putting a transfer request in. Kelly to one side, Steve. You know, what's what you, what's your your Johnson thing then? I don't know how long we've got to allow him to play himself back into 
back into form. But in terms of this season and also in terms of practically whether we whether we need to look to move him on in this window because because of the um because of the contract situation come at the end of next summer um the fact that he's on massive wages and is and is pretty much close to the point at which you describe him as a as a an older player um do you think he's gone like on show i don't think he's gone like on show because a lot of the time it looks like it's concentration it looks like it's something Something slightly non-physically related, perhaps, in in terms of his it's just his mental approach, um, and it, it may be as as Cope says that a couple of weeks off, just you know we say he's got an injury or something, and just give him a, give him a little chance to to do something else would would, would maybe work for him. Um, the other option is that you 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 look at switching him into left back and and you give him that challenge like a couple of times we've seen that happen. You say to him you, you put him slightly as a fish out of water and just. Give him something just to focus focus his mind on because it, it just that that's what it looks like to me a lot of the time. He's just he just he just dallies in possession and doesn't do the the simple thing or, or the or the or the brilliant thing that you know that he that he can do as well. He doesn't seem able to sort of have a a seven out of ten keeping it simple game. Really, he he either has to be looking like the best right back in the world or like a real shadow of himself. I think that's part of the problem. You've probably hit the nail on the head there. He, he thinks in his head, I need to get back to being a world-class right-back that's yeah. Joe beating men and scoring goals. Mm. And, and with that pressure, we, we see it with players a lot, don't we? But I have people around me saying he's not trying hard enough a lot of the times because they're trying too hard and they need mm. to relax a little bit more on the ball. And, it, and if, that's, if that's the pressure he's putting himself under, which it possibly is, then the, the switch to left-back would work. It was, I'm intrigued, actually, to you. Would, would you consider selling him this month? I'd consider selling him, yeah. Big shout for 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 a, a good fee and and you know on the basis that the committee a, a better committee than the one that we formed the other day. Well, I was just going to say you, right you, you agreed to keep him in the transfer committee. I know, yeah. I was, but I was open minded. Yeah, that's true. And there weren't many right backs on the list. Um, it's 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 odd all this, isn't it, Alison? I mean, I think it's I think this idea of the steady game fascinates me because I actually still think Len Johnston's relatively steady in the middle of the pitch. I think he's still doing the right thing in the middle third. I think he looks terrible in the final third, and he looks terrible in the in the first third. But in the middle third of the pitch, I still think he he looks reasonable. And what we ask a fullback, for instance, you know, Steve mentioned left back there. I thought Sissoko by just having a six out of ten, a seven out of ten game against Tull. He actually impressed. He came away thinking, oh, there could be a real player there. By just simply being all right, suddenly you think, oh, there could be more to come. Absolutely. I think that um, you do want that, you know, steady hand on the tiller. And uh, and Sissoko impressed because of that. Um, you know, I think at the back, um, it's a shame we haven't seen more of Colo Torre for that reason. I think, you know, that's obviously the reason he was brought in and and uh, defensively we've got to have we've got to have a much better steadier game um i'd also like to see see you know in the middle uh the distribution being a lot better i think one of the one of the ways in which we're not playing as strongly as as we could be is seeing the balls get spread around to the right place at the right time i still think we we sometimes look, look like we lack a lot of shape um and then you you add that to kind of a lack of trust and belief um defensively it it on a bad day we kind of come apart quite quickly um Sh- shape's interesting in this it's interesting that Alison's brought shape up because Steve um, you've written an article about Aspas which we'll talk about in a bit uh, but in the context of this I thought Liverpool's shape was, was odd for Aspas I thought that you know at times it felt like Coutinho was doing whatever it was that Coutinho wanted to do um, Suarez was being 
being very, very Suarez. Lucas and Henderson were getting on with it as much as they could, but the, it didn't seem to be nothing seemed to be that defined for Liverpool in, in open play against Hull. Yeah, I think in that formation that we played, the, the positions, the hardest positions to play, really positionally, were um, Aspas and Sterling's role. I think knowing where you should be in relation to Suarez and Coutinho must be an absolute nightmare. Um, for different reasons, because of the brilliance of Suarez, you, you, you just phys- how can you how can you make sure you're sort of tucked in on the right when you've just got no idea where where he's going? He's, he's no kind of reference point for you, and that's not a criticism of Suarez in any way. It's possibly a criticism of using this kind of inside forward formation when it is so strictly defined as you will be inside forwards rather than rather than just stretching the play a little bit more as as wide players, which Aspas probably isn't suited to anyway. Um, I think you know ultimately he's he's someone who plays through the middle either as a number nine or a number ten. We've seen him play the play in behind a striker and look okay. I thought against Stoke and against um, and against Villa, um, and then a couple of times against Hall when he when he switched when he did switch inside. That's when he looked more more productive to me um, as someone who can just do little things in and around the box. Um, he's got a very limited skill set, I think, but they are skills that you can use. It's, I think I think it's mad to be honest with you, Paul. I think watching him play is mad because I'm not quite sure how he's got picked uh, as as a transfer, not as a, not 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 in the game. You know, it's, it he doesn't seem to suit so much of what we do. It's so hard to see how you squeeze him in there, but. He's clearly got something about him. You see little bits and pieces of stuff he does well. You know, he, he harried very, very well at one point. There was a throw-in, that he, and then we won the throw-in because he'd forced the error. Uh, they threw it to him, and he just kicked it out of play. And in, in, in one little nutshell, you know, he's done a lot of right things there that you're looking for that supposedly is what he's, what he's good at. And then just he just seems to just click off straight away. Yeah, I think that, that sums up his game on against Tully. But he did that three or four times where he'd do something really good. And you'd be, you'd, everyone would get behind him, and then he would immediately give the ball away. It isn't that atrocious, not just not just a bit sloppy, atrocious. Yeah, but, it, but it would literally go from the sublime to, to the ridiculous. And I, I, I thought his, his pass for Henderson's chance summed up what he is capable of. That was a fantastic pass. And it, I sometimes feel sorry for players like Aspas, because if you lay that on these scores, you get an assist for that and everyone remembers it. But because Henderson doesn't score, no one really rem- remembers it. And I, I'm with Steve on this to a certain extent that I, I felt a bit sorry for Aspas on... Uh, against Hull because he, when I saw he was in the team, I thought, well, he needs to play up front, probably alongside Suarez. Give him a give him a proper crack of the whip at home playing centre forward. And then when I saw how they were lined up, he he was in he he had to hide into nothing really at home in front of the Anfield crowd because you play in that position, people expect you to do what Sterling's going to do and get the ball and beat a man and. And Steve's right as well in that playing that position is very difficult, especially when you're not used to playing with Suarez week in, week out. I think you can get that understanding, can't you, of how his mind works and where he's going to go. I mean, I think Aspas's total minutes is something like less than four games so far, or about four games that he's had. So it's very hard to to make a massive judgment on him. On, on And as he's probably very rarely in his career played in that position at all, never yeah, mind absolutely. with Suarez. And Sterling's got... Sorry I to, just... I, I, yeah, it's very hard to make a make a judgment about him, but you know, football fans that I know and love will make judgments on uh, on uh, a small amount of evidence. Uh, but I, I, in a way, to me, this uh, tells to a, to a bigger problem, which is you know, 
have we really got the kind of depth in the squad? Because actually, um, the reality is with the level of injuries that we've got, it does all look a bit like Heath Robinson at times, partly because it is, because he's trying to fit people in, he's trying to squeeze people into spots because we haven't got the depth of the squad. Don't you think, though, Alison, another side of that, though, is that we haven't, you know, you mentioned Tory before, you'd have thought Tory have had more time on the pitch. Sissoko seems to have been used slightly oddly. We're using, using Aspas as an example here. One of the reasons why these players do seem slightly unfamiliar now when they get introduced, and it's partially not the manager's fault. One, we haven't got European football. Two, we got knocked out of the League Cup early. But these players, they, they really haven't had much opportunity in which they can get going. You know, I've noted those players down as they've been mentioned today, Tori, Sissoko, Aspas. But, you know, you, you can sort of go on. There's Alberto. Brad Smith was launched in from nowhere. Flanagan came in and genuinely impressed, and he's one of the few who's, who's just taken to it. You know, it, it does seem, when you say it's a bit Heath Robinson, they are just, by the way, that's going to be one that our overseas people are going to need a lot of explanation <laughs> on. Um, they are just sort of thrown in there to what is quite such a slick unit when it works. We talk about Henderson, we talk about Allen, we talk about you know Suarez, Sturridge. These are all players that seem so used to each other. And then whenever anyone else gets in, it's a bit like, who's this fella and what are you doing here? Yeah, a, a little bit. But I think that's, I think as much as anything else, that is to do with the, the smaller number of games. Uh, you know, we are used to having European football of some kind or other and uh, you know and having more cup games and with a bit of luck and a fair wind and maybe I shouldn't make this prediction but we might be back to the uh, to those days next season and perhaps that's about the development of the squad over a number of seasons that you bring more people in and with a bit of luck we'll have more you know and a, and a broader diversity of games next season I think I think Alison's right in that Steve in the sense that you know you do need to be able to play these players in games you need to be able to give them starts the the opposite of that though is you know at the, the, we we started December and of the following players only Enrique was out. Um, Johnson, Sacco, Enrique, Allen, Gerard, Flanagan, Sturridge—they're the ones who couldn't complete the program, couldn't do the full December, couldn't be available for the duration. You know, and, and that's not. By the way, that makes sound, sounds like I'm slaughtering them for getting injured. Um, it's not their fault. Um, you know, it's that's that's the key point here is that by not having the greater strength and depth, we go to Stamford Bridge. Therefore, they're able to make five changes, six changes if you can't move in Luis from centre half into centre into centre mid. Liverpool are only able to make one change. You know, so therefore, this is the problem with European football is that it begets having stronger squads, being in a stronger position, being better equipped. You know, it's 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 whether or not it's caught before the horse. And at the minute, even Liverpool's the squad players we do have when they come in, they're not having the sort of impact we saw William have at Stamford Bridge. They're finding it difficult to settle. Yeah, because they haven't had the games. I think another another thing about it is that, and, and this is why perhaps they are odd squad signings, is that some of the players, I think particularly Alberto and Aspas, they don't look suited to playing in games that, for example, Hull. They don't look. They look more suited. I'd have more confidence in Aspas starting at Old Trafford than I would at uh, at a, another ground. I Casey Stadium. I can't think of any other Casey Stadium. There you go. Um, I, genuine. I genuinely would because I can't. See, he's not the kind of player who can impose himself on a game, but he does have. A technical technical ability, which is which is up there with with the sort of Premier League standard. Um, it's very it's it, what it is testament to, and we you know we look at all the problems that, that there are in the team and in the squad. Is that collectively we've got something going on here that seems to be working really well, and we've almost destruct tested it to to a point, and we've played three and a half good games of football really, um, with with a lot of things not being perfect. Um, and I think that is that is ultimately a testament to the manager and 
something that he's created here that is beginning to look much more durable than, than even I thought it was. This is uh, that that's an interesting point, isn't it, Paul? You know, you've got you've got um if you take from the Cardiff game on which you've got Cardiff, you've got City, you've got um Chelsea and and, and and Hull and Liverpool have arguably played well in three and a half of those games, first half against Chelsea when they were blown away notwithstanding. Given the fact that we are simultaneously a bit Heath Robinson, we are a bit creaky down the edges at times, you know, it's it is interesting that you know it was still able to, to to churn out the performances that we have, even if we've got what we would say was the absolute bare minimum of points from those games of six. Yeah, I, but I think we can go back to talking about the squad. We can go back to before that run for some for some criticism, some some healthy criticism. I think because Rogers has turned my view of him round quite well in the past year. I, I I quite like him now, and I think he's he's going to be he's going to be a very good manager. But my criticism for all of all of the problems we've got now with players can't be brought in to mix it up. Go back to when we're beating teams 3-4-5-0 at Anfield. And in each of those games, there's been an opportunity to bring someone on for half an hour. And I've been sitting watching the match thinking, well, Aspas is going to get the last half hour here. And if he gets half an hour here, he might get a goal. His confidence will, is, will increase. The same with Kelly, the same with Alberto. And it hasn't happened. And yet there are players like Sterling, who, as far as the manager says, which is fair enough, has impressed in training. He was put in the team... He got given a few games, and I don't think he was very good at all. To the extent that we were saying, we don't think this kid's got it anymore. But three, four games in, and someone said to me in the pub, we expect these kids to come into the game and just be amazing straight away. Sterling's shown that that just doesn't happen. Three games in, all of a sudden he's one of our best players, and he's shown what he can do every week. What's to say that Aspas wouldn't do that if he got four games in the side? But I, the, I don't think he would, but you're right to say, what's to say? Uh, yeah, absolutely, I don't think he would. But then I was saying the same thing about Sterling. I was saying Sterling just hasn't got it. He just ha- he's lost his confidence, or he's not willing to beat a man. All of a sudden, he's a fantastic winger. On this form, goes to the World Cup, and I think it, the problem we've had with the squad during this period, and yet we've done we've done very well. But let's not get away from the fact we lost against City and against Chelsea. We can't, Joe. It's all well and good saying we played really well, but we lost both games. If we'd have had other options to come in because they'd had more game time, maybe it would have helped us. Okay, this is City Talk 105.9. This is the Anfield Wrap. We'll be talking about Liverpool versus Oldham in a second where maybe we'll we'll be discussing who should get a chance to get more game time. The Anfield Wrap on City Talk 105.9. It's the Anfield Wrap. Just breaking off. We were chatting away a minute ago just as we went into the break. Uh, Brendan Rodgers has been charged over his post-match comments he made following his side's defeat at Manchester City. Rodgers criticised the horrendous performance. I read this from the BBC website, by the way. I'm not not proud. Um, of the math- match officials and questioned the appointment of Bolton referee Lee Mason after the 2-1 defeat. Hopefully we won't have a greater Manchester referee with Liverpool-Manchester games in the future, said Brendan Rodgers. Uh, the Football Association has said it is alleged the comments by Rodgers, but by the way, we're at this point here where the Football Association both brings the charge, explains the charge, is both jury and is judge and his executioner uh, it is alleged the comments by Rogers called into question the integrity of the match referee and or implied the match referee was motivated by bias and or brought the game into disrepute and or amounted to a failure to act in the best interests of the game Steve Graves um, and what? I don't care yeah what, what can they do? <laughs> What can they do? Can they give him some kind of touchline ban? Something like that? I think this for a first offence, it's normally a fine or something and don't do it again, will well, you? Well, it's not my money then, is it? It's not your money, Steve. It's not your money. No. Um, Steve Graves not bothered, Paul Cope, and what? As the BBC website confirmed, it's not our money. Uh, the BBC website <laughs> has confirmed it's not I'm our not, money. I'm not bothered. Cope right <laughs> yeah, I think I, I, I'm not surprised at all. Rogers knew he was going to get fined for it. He knew he was going to get charged for it. You yes. can't imply that the referee has been biased because he's from 16 miles down the road from where you were playing and think that you're going to get away with an FA charge. You are going to get it. Whether whether the FA and there should be independent panels around all this is just a much bigger argument, isn't it? Uh, Alison? Well, to look at it from a different direction, I do think we've got a problem with with refs and 
the kind of communication about what underlies the decisions they take it's not always as straightforward as people make out and actually why don't we have somebody who can speak on behalf of the refs and say like look this is the decision that was made you know I got into all kinds of heated debate on Twitter about this issue about whether um, whether Bolton is in the city region of Manchester or Greater Manchester or whatever or and the Wirral and where it sits in relation to Liverpool all kind of philosophical debate going on about that. Well this. they came to you they came to a high authority you, you know <laughs> you, you are Wirral South. Yeah the, the only the only slight uh, good side of all of this as far as I'm concerned is a nice bit of name recognition for the Wirral but um, <laughs> but the, the, the bigger point is you know and I say this as a politician, like referees are probably second only to politicians in, you know, the public's kind of dislike and distaste for them. They need to come out and find a way to have a spokesperson about, look, these are the rules of the game. This is a judgment that was taken within the rules of the game. And this is why and explain it. Because at the moment, there's a whole lot of heated debate that's, and discussion that goes on about why referees take the judgments that they do. And referees are the one group of people that we never hear from in this debate. Okay then. Um, very very quickly, want to discuss, want to plug um, the Anfield Rap website. Loads of good articles have gone on this week from exciting new young writers and also from Steve Graves. You should check it out, theanfieldrap.com. Uh, also, we've got the magazine, uh, which is still uh, doing very very well. People, the number one of things that count things. Um, uh, John Barnes, Russell Brand, uh, Mick Head, and the Anfield Rap Christmas Quiz, amongst lots of other fantastic stuff within the magazine. Uh, so you, please 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 give that a go on your new tablet that you've got over the Christmas period and see what you think of it. Um, Liverpool versus this isn't a game Liverpool should lose he says reading his words uh, we should probably be resting aggressively loads of youngsters have been reported playing with the first uh, training with the first team I've asked each of you to pick me an 11 um, Steve Graves you can pick give me your 11 first okay um, basically I looked at three things one was um, who I'd like to keep fresh for Stoke the other one was whether I'd like to win the game and then the other one was just a team that I'd enjoy. Um, so I picked the, just the third and just ignored the other two considerations. Um, <laughs> so Mignolet very much in goal, very much in goal. Um, Martin Kelly at right back. Um, Skirtle, Ilori, Sissoko. Oh, all right. In midfield, Colo Torre, Luis Alberto, and there's no way I can't pick Jordan Henderson. He's the captain. Um, up front, Aspas leading the line, um, Raheem Sterling on the right, and then I couldn't really pick anyone on the left, so I had to pick Victor Moses. You don't like Victor Moses, do you, Steve? <laughs> He's not in your favourites. I don't see the point. I don't. I don't see the point in going through the whole thing of watching someone I don't like who doesn't play for us anyway. Uh, okay, uh, Paul Cope. Very quickly, what was your team? Um, well, I'm starting by resting the manager. I've seen pa- Joe Pascoe. He's done, done the press conference in the short, yeah. so <laughs> I think he should get a, a, a shot at it. He's ready. Yeah, Rogers can be off having a pint. Uh, Mignolet in goal I agree with Steve has to play in goal otherwise we'll get beat Kelly right back Torre and Alori centre half Sissoko left back Gerard in the centre for 60 minutes and 60 minutes only um, then Rossiter in midfield on the basis you just told me that Cody doesn't play for us anymore um, and then Moses Alberto and Brad Smith behind Aspas Moses because I think he should be made to do a bit of running around for his money for a bit um, Brad Smith because otherwise I think if this lad doesn't get on the pitch very soon against in the first team against the side he's got a chance against it could ruin him for the rest of his life and then uh, an important bench of Suarez Henderson Sterling Lucas 
and then whichever two other kids are doing really well. Okay, Alison, quick. Well, so uh, I did this all in a bit of a rush about five minutes before we started, so I haven't quite finished my uh, very serious and considered thinking. Stephen Paul did it in that break. Go on. <laughs> did they? So I don't know about this. Uh, uh, we've got to play Minulay uh, thing. I my... <laughs> the, the face you've <laughs> just fall behind you. <laughs> Go on. You know, look, we can all sit here and say minulay, but let's make it interesting and have a debate. Um, so I think this has got to be about, we've just been talking about, you know, the importance of having a breadth of squad. This has got to be about mixing it up a bit. And so I would at least have a think uh, about playing our second keeper and uh, giving uh, Brad Jones a walkout. I'd, I'd at least have a think about it. I'm not saying I'd do it. Um, uh, and then I would uh, be asking if there was any chance uh, Mr. Johnson could play, because just for for the chance opportunity to get to play himself into form, play, play himself into form. Let him answer his critics. Um, and what about Kelly at the back? I'd have Aga, who's your captain. Maybe Laurie Sissoko. Uh, in the middle, I'd have Alan and Sterling, uh, Alan and Henderson. Alan would be fit. Alan's not going to make it. Is he not? No, Alan's Alan. So you're going to go with you're going to go with um, Henderson then. I'm going to go with Henderson and Sterling and some combination of Aspas and I'd probably play Suarez up front just to just, just to make, to make sure. sure. Oh, I love, I love the making sure. Very quickly, I play McLaughlin at right back. I would not persevere with Kelly. It can sound harsh, but I'll say it again. Martin Kelly should find his future away from Anfield. Um, I would I would also go with Mignolet. I like the Brad Smith shells. I'd go with that. Um, I'd consider Rossiter. I'd probably go with Henderson and have Rossiter to come on. Uh, this has been the Anfield wrap this week. I'm going to presume you all think we're going to win the game. Does anyone not think we're going to win the game? Defensive uh, Mignolet, please. Uh, great, <laughs> great silence there. Um, this is a game where Liverpool should be resting aggressively. It's also one that they should win. This is the Anfield Wrap. Have a lovely, lovely weekend, and we'll be back with you on Monday. The Anfield Wrap, brought to you by High Street Solicitors. Have your will drafted or amended for just £49 plus VAT. Call 203 1268.